I've been a flyer guy handing out coupons in Times Square for three years. I think the most fascinating character out there is Racist Elmo. I'm out there so often I can tell him from all the other Elmos. His suit is furrier than most, and he's always wearing black knee pads. Uh, I was unloading my dishwasher with my husband, and I noticed that the bottom of my KitchenAid mixing bowl, which is also a super yuppie thing, uh, said that it was dishwasher safe. And I tried to make a joke to him about putting the, the KitchenAid mixing bowl in the dishwasher and how nothing else would fit, and he did not think it was funny at all. So I decided to make it funny uh, if it was the last thing I did. What, was there something wrong with your leg? And she said that her cat had been um, resting on the printer and that it got spooked, and then when it got up, like in a rush, it pulled with it all of the cords and all the equipment from the desk onto her leg, and that's why she was rubbing her leg. It's me, Kevin. I'm 15. I'm reporting to you from Camp Smile Power in the bathroom in the middle of the night. I read all of the reviews on Amazon, as well as other websites about it, and knew exactly what, what to expect. But do you know what to expect? He decided finally at age 40 to move out of Texas and he was going to consider Brooklyn and move in with me. He called me and said he got a ticket to La Gordita Airport and he wanted to know, man, what stop is uh, Manhattan on the train? I knew this was going to be the beginning of a beautiful adventure. Hello, it's me, Dale. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Haven't said that in a while. Oh, boy. I tell you, I've had something to drink. We're pairing the podcast tonight with a delightful Puerto Rican rum. I went into the little place over there, not the place I normally go. I went in there, I said, what do you got as a good shipping rum? Because I've uh, recently been uh, beguiled by some of the rums. Because I was down there in Puerto Rico, and they brought you one. I said, my gosh, I haven't had one of these in a long time since an ill-advised scorpion bowl in San Francisco. And um, I've really been turned on to it. And as as the weather gets colder, uh, I've been uh, taking advantage of the rums to warm me. And tonight, it's doing a great job. I also, we'll talk about what happened at the beginning of this program with all those different voices saying different things in, in just a moment. Uh, I'm happy to have uh, that little glimpse, and I'll explain what's going on. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's a lot going on in the world. We know this. Someone at my office this whole week has been burning a scented candle. And despite everything, and I don't mean to be insensitive, but this person with the candle is about all the evil I can handle right now. <sighs> it's been trying. It's been trying. If I sound off, it, 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 that, that's why. And uh, if the garbage trucks are rumbling in the distance, and if you're listening to an older fellow who may sound drowsy and a little tipsy from not sleeping on account of his lady friend insisting that we keep the lights on all night so as to try and catch these November mosquitoes that are still hanging on, then this must be Dale Radio. And it's 4 a.m., the deep night Dale o'clock. And it's time for Last Call if you live in Chicago. 
And it's time for another episode of this program everywhere else. And here we are coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And if you're new to the show, welcome. I'm happy to be in your ear holes. This is an audio program that focuses on characters and their creators. But I would be remiss if I did not share just uh, one or two stories uh, related to what's going on. Because you can't. Uh, not be affected by this. And uh, truth be told, I was scheduled to be in Beirut the day that they had the attack there. That might might seem unlikely, but I was to be the keynote speaker for a conference of young people interested in bettering their flyer handing out skills. You understand, they may have invented civilization over there in the Middle East, but they have a lot to learn about getting people to come to comedies and musicals. So I'm the guy that they call, and I was supposed to be there, and I ended up not going, based primarily uh, on the fear I experience every week while watching the television program Homeland. If Saul Berenson can't weird arm run away from danger, how could I? Plus, as a representative of a successful company based in New York, I was worried that I would be a target. And I don't want to have to podcast from a dusty cell. It is bad for the equipment. Uh, So my heart goes out to those affected in that city uh, and in all parts of the world. Any place that is experiencing violence, uh, just unimaginable violence every day. And, of course, Paris among them. I've been there. uh, As you may uh, recall, it was a cold November about this time of year, uh, a little while back now. Uh, I was improperly dressed and my translator never showed. He said, we'll send you over there and we're going to give you a translator. Well, great. This never happened. So I just wandered around eating baguettes and buying wildly expensive teas and watching people on bicycles live a life I wish I could afford. And I went into a comic book shop, because that's what you do sometimes. You want to say, well, this this looks familiar. Maybe I'll go in and pick up Katrina or something. And uh, I only knew a little bit of French, and the only thing I could say uh, that I always led with was, look, I don't know how to speak French. So that's what I say to the guy in French and the comic book guy. Isn't this great? Comic book guy is a comic book guy no matter where you go, if you're in Des Moines or Damascus. And uh, this, this guy looks up from the book, and he says, but you are now. And, and then he goes back to reading Tintin, and because uh, uh, he was saying you, you are speaking uh, uh, French now, and that's just the kind of wonderful uh, vibe. I mean, one, it's, it speaks to the great, the great French uh, people and their wit, uh, but also to this kind of, the kind of creature that would inhabit a dark and, and dusty place full of graphic novels, and I love that place. I love, uh, not specifically that comic book shop, but I love the idea that I love uh, Paris. I love being there. I love freedom. So listen, let's not get upset at each other for not making our Facebook profile photos this color or that color. Half the time, I don't even know how it works. I've got three profiles now, a fan page, a group. The only messages I ever receive are from a junior fossil collecting outfit I joined by mistake, and they are active. Lots of meetups in the fossil community. How are they even finding more fossils is my question. What else could they possibly be looking for? I tell you something. You find a dinosaur that was half wolf, half dinosaur. That's what I'd like to see. A were dino. You know, the only thing that could make the ferocious uh, T-Rex more fiercer fiercer is uh, if he could change into a, a wolf, a werewolf rex, you know, under the light of a moon or... Heaven forbid a, 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 a meteor. That that would be tough. If it would, because if that was the one, what if it's the one that wiped them all out, and that's the only thing that changed them, and then he only experienced, or she only experienced one moment of where dino hood, 
And that was like, oh, I'm finally my true self. And then done. It's like making love. Rare and beautiful when it happens. I watched a program the other day that showed how there were sea creature fossils in Denver, the Mile High City. Big squid-looking things and shells. You don't often think of finding seafood in Colorado, do you? Last time I had sushi in Denver was in 1983, out behind a Russell's convenience store on my way to play an assisted living facility outside of Boulder. I was absolutely uh, 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 wrenched by this experience. It nearly tore my insides out. Just wretched. And uh, to get to, to, to the facilities, I had to run across a giant parking lot uh, to get there because the men's room at Russell's was locked and covered in police tape, and I think a drifter had off themselves in there the week before. Anyhow, I'm supposed to get to these old folks to do a half-hour set, and I'm huffing and puffing across the parking lot on account of the high altitude, and I can barely catch my breath. Meanwhile, I'm just feeling my insides turn all sorts of directions from the Unagi sampler I downed with a 24-ounce jug of hot sake. Well, I finally made it to the only place that was open, the Zeckendorf Plaza Ice Rink, and I pass out on the cool cement floor by the skate rental window. I made some dear friends that night, but I lost 30 smackers not being able to get to the gig at the senior home, and I was very upset about that, even more so than any physical damage that may have been, uh, happened uh, to, to my person. Uh, luckily, we rescheduled for the next day, and since most of the folks suffered from dementia, no one was the worse for wear. <laughs> Although I still shudder whenever I hear the word sushi. I also shudder at the words ice rink, hockey, gas station, and drifter. So lots of words that I try to avoid. So our character portrait. Oh, folks, this is so nice. Uh, You know I love the Solocom. It's a a solo uh, festival of, of solo performance. And I'm not in it this year. I appreciate all the hard work that goes into it. And it was founded by a great, great guy, uh, Peter, uh, who is himself a globetrotting solo performer with his own show, Late with Lance. And Peter was in a production of Stomp that I saw back in Providence in the 1990s during my grunge phase. The point is, uh, he's terrific. The festival's terrific. I had such a great time being a part of it last uh, year and I was I, just the way things are headed right now. I couldn't pull a, a solo show together, uh, uh, and 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 so I said, "Listen, Peter, tell the Solocom folks if they want to send me something, I'll run it and mention mention it mention the show." Technically, that's not what I said. I said, Peter, do you want to just record a little thing, and I'll put it at the top of the show, and we'll talk about solo comp, just generally. Just you, yourself, just send me something. And um, then he said, that would be great, uh, but I'm, I'm, I can't do it. It's, it's too much going on. I said, I'm very sympathetic. And he said, well, I'll, I'll tell everybody about it. So then he did, and then, you know, I got uh, just so many people sending me these audio things. And it was great. I was uh, happy to have them, but what, what it meant was instead of running – one, that I had to kind of put some of them together. So they sent me larger things, and if you were among the people that sent them to me, uh, I apologize for having to truncate uh, what you so thoughtfully put in. Uh, And the the voices that you heard on the top of this program, in order, David Lawson, Joanna Shaw-Flam, Laurie Hamill, Amanda Miller, Lauren Mall, and Rory Shaw. Uh, So be sure to look up their specific shows, because they took a little extra effort, and, uh, uh, and get a festival pass. Go see this whole thing. It's terrific. There's great work being done by uh, young people, and a lot of people get their start with this thing. And it's the first time they put up a full show, and uh, some seasoned people in there, too. But it's great. It runs November 20th through the 22nd, all through the weekend, at the People's Improv Theater. And uh, more than 120 shows, and they, they're all different 
lengths. You can see a 15-minute thing, you see a 60-minute thing, and it's over the course of three days, takes up the whole building. It's terrific. There's a lot of shows. Go to uh, thepit-nyc.com for tickets and information. On to today's program. Brett Davis is my guest today, and Brett is a comedian. He's a chameleon. He's based in not t- not actually the lizard. You understand? He's just adept at turning himself into other characters. He's based in New York. He's usually uh, uh, every week you can see him uh, on a public access variety show, The Special Without Brett Davis, and we talk a lot about that. So it's worth maybe looking it up, and you get a better sense of it. Uh, he was the winner of the 2015 Andy Kaufman Award. He's been hailed in the press in places like Split Cider and Last Minute Advice, the three places I read every morning with my black coffee, and Half Ear, Corn on the Cob, and Dry Wheat Toast. He co-hosts uh, the monthly uh, extravaganza, the Macaulay Culkin Show. I would caution you that Macaulay Culkin does not appear. Uh, that's in Brooklyn and the monthly Lethal Lottery at Over the Eight in Williamsburg. Oh, that's happening over there, isn't it? Oh, get over there. I was so thrilled that he could join us at Harvestworks in Soho, and my thanks to them once again for providing the space. We had to talk about uh, playing characters and inventing characters and where they come from. We talked a lot about New Jersey and what it takes to create a weekly show that is completely and truly unlike anything else out there. So here we go, my conversation with the actual Brett Davis. Oh, well, Brett Davis. <laughs> Hello, sir. Hello. Am I saying that correctly? Yep. You it's get, not you got me, it right. Brett Davis. I, I mean, I, I would take it. <laughs> I bet. Now, you've got a, a, a public access show mm-hmm. uh, called uh, The Special Without Brett Davis. Yes. But this show is special because. You're here. It's with Brett Davis. Yes. So it's, I'm very, it's a rare treat. I'm thrilled to have you. Now, I first came to know about your show because I was uh, uh, watching the Chris Gethard program. Mm-hmm. And I went up there and uh, I, I saw one of his episodes where uh, he was doubting himself. Maybe that's a lot of the episodes knowing Chris. But they had brought everybody together to say, do we want to do this? And it was a kind of a amazing evening of sitting on the floor watching someone just kind of spiral through a lot of emotions yes. and try to understand what was going on. And then uh, we went to a, a party. There was a little party, a little after party, and it was nice to invite me. I said, okay, I'll, get, I'll come with you. And it was a wild scene because everybody was in costume, not the Gethard crew, but other people. We went to a bar. Yes. Maybe you know the place nearby. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's Lincoln Park, the bar named after the band. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Uh, do they have anything to do with it? They're just fans. Uh, it's it's a diff- it's the traditional Lincoln Park spelling. But that's that's <laughs> our oh, little I see, not the yeah. I-N. There should be a LinkedIn Park. I'd like that. Oh, I, I'm a lot sure of there invites. is one in like San Francisco. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, so there's like it's kind of sexy Snow Whites, and you got your uh, teddy bear people dressed like that. Mm-hmm. Very unusual. Like it's May, you know, and these people were in costume. I don't know a going away party or something, perhaps. Um, uh, but then, uh, uh, and we had a nice time with Chris. It was just a weird kind of conclusion to this evening. Mm-hmm. The next thing I know, they get the call up to go up to Fusion. Yes. To do the show. And then you come on, mm-hmm. and there's an episode where you're a kind of a, a repulsive figure. Yes, uh, there is Chris at the time. In addition to dealing with his own, you know, I I, I now I see the struggle of doing a weekly show. Yeah. Uh, um, but he was also just on top of it. Like a nice icing on the cake was he was just the uh, 
subject of scorn from a lot of the people at MNN, which is the public access uh, network in New York. And everyone can do a show for free. And all you need to do is like take a few classes and then you're part of the system and you could get a show on TV very easily. And it's great for that, but it also lets in a lot of kooks. And uh, he had <laughs> people that were targeting him because he was a name or something. And uh, so I, I filled in the role of one of those guys, and he had talked about it on the air. From the network, you From, represented another uh, person with a show. Yeah, another producer who's, uh, you know, kind of sees himself as the little guy in this fight. And <laughs> uh, he had talked about it on the show, so there was some precedent. And I came on, and I started to just attack uh, the show and attack the audience uh, first verbally and then later physically. Kind of a brawl broke out there. Kind of a brawl, yeah. And, and a lot of the people on the the show weren't clued in because some people just like got there five minutes before and it's like, oh well, we'll just see what happens <laughs> if they think it's real. And like people like Shannon O'Neill thought it was real and she was ready to fight me because. <laughs> You know, in her defense, she's totally justified because I was really I, someone had just called in about like, yeah, you know, I've, I've had suicidal thoughts and like I just I pounced on that like, oh, you you've got these uh, maniacs calling in, just 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 a vile kind of a, of a character. Yeah, just the worst kind of I don't know if you have language uh, restrictions <laughs> here, but a prick yeah, is like the perfect exactly. way to describe him. Well, that is a little bit of a thread that comes through some of the other characters that you play, too. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll come back to that. But the first, then the next thing I know, you got the show. Yeah. You're, you're occupying that time slot. Mm -hmm. Is it still that character? It's no. Uh, so the, the first, like two weeks after that, uh, he had to be in L.A. or something. So I was like, oh, well, what if Smith got his wish and got Chris Gethard kicked off the air? And there was still <laughs> so, some level of believability that this was a real thing. It was like a big subject of discussion with the geth heads and stuff and i uh i stepped in and i put on the most arduous hour of public access <laughs> tv with like an education expert and a spirituality expert and this like 80 year old uh screenwriter that wanted to talk about his 70s political thriller and it, it's just, these are all actors playing those, those exactly parts. all really funny people like ike famadu and like anna dresden and uh, it all built to the reveal because my show is a bit conspiracy-esque because a lot of the MNN shows are that I, in fact, was a lizard person and I got splashed <laughs> in the face and we did a little switcheroo and I paid a special effects artist $500 to make a lizard man. It looked pretty good. I got to yeah. say, I, I saw the ending of that. I mean, I saw the thing and then I watched all the way to the end and then, my gosh, it was as if you were a slee stack or one of these yes, uh, evil villains. yeah. Uh, uh, characters and um, it just it dissolved very mm -hmm. <laughs> and then after 50 scene. minutes of s silence there is a good five minutes of chaos <laughs> you like that do you like the format oh yeah i love it yeah. it's pretty great mm -hmm. to be able to just go in there and what do you take how much are the classes uh i i, I if you don't mind saying <laughs> like i i'm not the one that's dealing with the uh equipment and stuff but uh if if i were it it would it's a pretty simple process to just get certified, and um, but and then uh, you're off and running. And what what when does it air Wednesdays? It airs when yeah, it airs Wednesdays at eleven. Yeah, um, every week. Uh, sometimes we'll take a week off here and there for my own sanity. 
but uh, <laughs> pretty much consistently through. Well, uh, and but it has changed a little bit over that time. Yes. Now uh, it's the special without Brett Davis, as I said, and you are a character every time, mm-hmm. a different character. Yeah, the first episode I came out and I said it's it's you know it's an honor to take over the Chris Gethard show, and you know I've been you know this is a dream come true for me, and then I immediately get shot. Uh, <laughs> and you, the, Brett Davis, yes, as Brett Davis, yeah. And then my col- my old college professor uh, filled in for the rest of the night. <laughs> And did the show that I would have done otherwise, but in his own style. And then it's kind of taken on a life with a different character hosting every week. And a different kind of setup and a different scenario and all that. But now since you are here, since we have Brett Davis here, Mm -hmm. no sign that you're going to be shot. All right. That's my promise to you so far. All right. Uh, Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in New Jersey. I was going to say. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, if I had to guess, did I wear it? Do I wear it on my sleeve? A little bit. I yeah. think it's a little bit there. Yeah. Why do you say that? Uh, I've met a lot of people from New Jersey. I have some family from New Jersey, and there's something uh, there about it. Maybe a little bit of a uh, in the characters. There's mm-hmm. a little bit like a little edge to it. A little misanthropic. Yeah. A little yeah. anger. A yeah. little rage. A little time in garages or basements and that kind of a thing. Yep. Lots of time in basements. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chip on the shoulder. Uh, <laughs> now, I just met you, and I was well, able to determine yeah. all that. <laughs> when it comes through, the characters is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You Thank understand. you. Uh, and uh, how was that? Decent? Uh, typical was, New Jersey? I think it was pretty typical. Um, if there is such a thing as a typical New Jersey... To, I know. I realize I'm making a lot of assumptions, but yeah. it's because I have, you know, I have some feelings about it that might be. They're lo- I'll admit to it. Yeah. Typical suburban New Jersey. Because I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I have a thing about New yeah. Jersey, you see. Mm-hmm. And what, what is that thing? Well, you know, it's a place to drive through, but staying uh, there yeah. is, you know, gosh. This is, it's <laughs> nice the flyover the shore, state but... between uh, Philadelphia and New York. Yeah, but there are certainly wonderful things going on there. Yeah, I mean, there's some, I'm some beautiful towns, and beautiful also towns. the most dangerous city in the world. <laughs> uh, there's farmland, there's that's, beach towns, it's everything. That's right. But it, that's the kind of chip that it has, doesn't it? Yeah. It's not New York. It's not Philadelphia. What is it? And you're left to kind of determine that on your own. There's actually the the, the radio station, New Jersey 101.5, which is not New York, <laughs> not Philadelphia, but New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey 101.5. <laughs> and then they've got the loudest echo I've ever heard uh, on a DJ's voice. It's, it's uh, yeah. Check it out. Uh, you have a DJ character that you do? Uh, I actually do. Yeah. Um, uh, he's well. He's from Stanford. Uh, he's a Stanford shock jock uh, named Vic, and my uh, my conspirator, uh, co-conspirator Darren Maybe plays the Moose, and uh, we are just two like loud, abrasive, Opie and Anthony types, but yeah. with really depressing personal lives. <laughs> well, uh, growing up, uh, uh, suburban. Suburban, yeah. Yeah. Uh, troubled? Um, not too troubled. Straight I was, arrow? I was pretty straight arrow, but, uh, I mean, emotionally, who knows? Who uh, knows? We're all still figuring that out. Yeah. You have a favorite food as a kid? I loved pizza. Sure. I love pizza. And still today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, still number one. Yeah. Yeah. And New Jersey's the best place for pizza. <laughs> okay. Maybe second to New York City. <laughs> 
But now, you how long you been in New York? You get? Did you want to get here? All the way? Did you always know you wanted to get here? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, it's the uh, you know you walk to the largest hill in my town, you'd see the skyline. It's like that sort of thing, where it's like, oh, I'm so close, but so far away. Um, <laughs> Would you bring uh, people up there? Yeah. 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 Submarine uh, racers, that kind of thing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'd uh, just dream. Just dream. Just yeah. look out at that skyline and know that your future was there mm-hmm. on public access. Well, did you watch public access growing up? Uh, yeah. Well, New Jersey doesn't really have that infrastructure as good as New York does. Uh, I mean, there's definitely like the crazies yeah. that get through, but um, you know, I, I was always inspired by like Jake Fogelnest, who had Square TV when he was like 14, yeah. and like did it. And I was like, oh, well, that would be really cool. But it never seemed like it was in the cards for me. And, uh, you know, I talk to so many great young people that are coming up. And uh, they all have a ver- an ease with video, making things, computers. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes me a little longer to get to stuff. But uh, it, it, did you have that? We have easy access or were you still making things on tapes? Yeah, I mean, I, I made things on tapes and stuff. I, I was very low tech. I didn't have the Internet for a while. I was like, my family was very late into getting that. So Good for was, you. Well, I, I, I guess I, I, I'm more defensive about musical tastes because I had to work harder for it. And uh-huh. like, you know, the, the things that I found out about are, weren't like, I was, I'm still part of that generation that kind of had to look for it. And a lot of rifling through CD cases. Yeah, lots of, yeah, yeah. Lots of that. I had a tape recorder that I'd keep by the TV in case a song I liked came on. Oh. It was like that level of uh, <laughs> like uh, poorness, I guess. I don't know. Early Shazam. Yeah, early yeah. Shazam. That app that mm-hmm. you use to tell you what's happening. Yes. But were you always intrigued by comedy? Were you always doing it, watching it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, in, my, in my preschool... Uh, we had a little graduation, and we sang a "When I Grow Up" song, and I, I said "Movie Star," and then that, <laughs> that, it all, that through like my first ten years of life, that fluctuated. Like, oh, maybe I want to be a magician, maybe I want to be a pro wrestler, maybe I want to be a whatever. But it was always something along those lines. And then by the time I was like ten, I think comedy was the the only uh, way out. Yeah, <laughs> it, well, wrestling it, comes up a lot in New Jersey. I yeah, mean, seems. I think so. You're a big fan of that? Yeah, I am. I only uh, dipped in a little bit. I like the glow. I like the gorgeous oh, ladies of wrestling. Oh, yeah. That, well, yeah, I, I know what kind of guy you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mount Fiji and that little feather when she broke her arm or whatever it was. That, that was a... Dislocated elbow. Is that what it was? <laughs> that was a rough time to be a wrestling fan. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's why it never stuck, uh, you know, for me. Never yeah, I mean... Stuck. It, I, I could I could do a dissertation about the beauty of pro wrestling, but I don't think anyone wants to hear it. <laughs> well, you could make it one of your shows. I, I have. Yeah, <laughs> I have. I've done a, multiple episodes. Multiple. It's a the epi- the the series arc is a feud, bet- a blood feud between two pro wrestlers. <laughs> is that true? That's really we true. have a couple series long arcs that. Uh, I mean, the series is infinite, but. You know, we've been building over the course of like these 35 episodes that we've done so far. You, know. you have these forces out there that are moving. Yeah. Yeah. Just like kind of every episode nudges characters in different directions and stuff. That's such a fascinating uh, project to have uh, yeah. a long form exploration of uh, different characters going on. Yeah. I can't imagine what that's like. But now, uh, how soon do you start doing stuff in New York? Oh, uh, well. You move well, here as a teenager? 
the 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 big thing was um, I, I I didn't move here. I I mean I don't even know when I technically moved here because I was a couch crasher in many ways. Uh, but um, the the thing that kind of pushed me into making comedy my life was I was a big fan of the best show with Tom Sharp. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, I called in as like a goof once uh, in a, a voice. And then I kept doing it every week to the point where he's like, why are you doing this? And I was just a bored kid, but he kind of like challenged me to present something. And I did. And to like his, uh, he's a saint, uh, that he let me continue to do it on his show for like a while. And I got to go into the studio and I had a rap battle with Ted Leo and stuff. And it was pretty good. Yeah. It was a little taste of, uh, what I would do for the rest of my life, or up to this point at least. And you still uh, acknowledge him? You oh. still check in with him? Oh, I listen every week. Yeah. I mean, it's that's still my favorite thing. It's like, a, uh, you know, the little world I build, it pales in comparison to the... It's massive, what yeah. he's done, yeah, mm-hmm. and what they have done, because I know it's a group effort over there. But, uh, so, but were you a part of, you know, there's different pockets here you have your mm-hmm. ucb your ars nova your uh pit your magnet all those kind of things what uh what camp did you fall into or were you not really in any of them i mean i, I took some improv classes uh, but I, I never really did it for me when i was you know like six years ago or something um and i was always kind of just a guy that floated around and it wasn't until a few years ago that i sort of tried to establish some footing in groups uh and it's kind of just been a group that's not really stand-ups but some are stand-ups not really sketch people but some are sketch people some people are performance art and we're all kind of like artistic and we don't have a name or any sort of collective affiliation but you know them when you see them i think if you're in the comedy community yeah I'm quite fond of that group, I have to say, because, uh, you know, I have enjoyed theater, but I've also done a lot of time on the road Mm -hmm. and entertaining people at VFW Hall, senior homes, that kind of thing. But uh, I'm always uh, a fan of the people that are sort of lurking at the edges and and bringing those worlds together, whether it's long form, it's theater, really what you're doing, Mm -hmm. but uh, a little bit of performance art to make that a little more fun. Yeah, and to poke fun at itself, and uh, but also with that great ability to stand there and command the stage as a comedic persona, mm-hmm. I admire that greatly. And you know, I like I like to kind of knock down the walls. I have a, sh- a show that I do every month that's really just a show for me. Uh, that we pair like two comedians from different scenes. So yeah. some UCB improviser. Uh, we'll be paired with the guy that will perform at the stand every week or something. <laughs> right. Or some like lead singer of a band will get paired with, I don't know, some just open mic guy. But it, it's, And that's the Macaulay Culkin show or that's something well, else? That's uh, the Lethal Lottery. The Lethal Lottery? Yes. And where does that happen? That happens at Over the Eight. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Over there. A little back room back there. Yes. Yeah, nice. But that's... Well, that's great. You've got a lot going on. What's the Macaulay Culkin thing? Because that doesn't involve Macaulay Culkin at all. No. Uh, that was a bad name that stuck. <laughs> and, uh, but everyone remembers it. Uh, and some people come because they are tricked. They think it's the star of Home Alone 2. I, I, I think that our first show we got 
a lot of people there to see Macaulay Culkin. And when we came out and uh, we said, well, this isn't that. This is a, actually uh, Macaulay Culkin died. Uh, oh, you. And uh, this is his tribute. And then it's, it's never been about Macaulay Culkin since. It's just a showcase of my favorite people and my a place to work out my next weird projects. And those three uh, efforts that we've mentioned so far, you, they're all hosting gigs. Yeah. So you like hosting. I do. You're drawn to that. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Uh, I think I think I just like being an aggregator of comedy. Uh, and, I mean, I'm sure you know hosting can be kind of thankless sometimes. But Yeah, but it's great. It is great, yeah. I li- I, because then you're the people that the audience, you're the connective tissue, mm-hmm. and they trust you. Yeah. And to have their trust is a great uh, gift. Yeah. And if you can make it work for you, it's fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I I love it so much. I would do that more than anything. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I'll dip into a character here and there. <laughs> yes. Maybe I do a production of Streetcar. That's that was, that was it's a really I mean that there that's some acting range you'll need to have. Yeah. Well, or, depending on which role you're playing. <laughs> that's right. But either of the leads. <laughs> yes. I was just watching a special about Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. Did you see this documentary that's out there? Listen to me, Marlon. No, it's I just haven't. audio tapes of him, and some kind of a, like a hologram. It's very bizarre. Mm. But then you see a lot of old pictures and films of the guy. One of the things I like about those old Hollywood interviews is Marlon Brando in his prime, and he's sitting there saying, "Well, my my mother was great to us. She she always looked after the kids, always doing fun things for us. We had a family goose that she used to dress up in a Santa Claus outfit and made a little beard." And then it's just like he just says that and keeps on going, and the interviewer doesn't stop. No one acknowledges. Yeah, <laughs> just take a beat. And the mother was dressing up the goose as Christmas. I absolutely Claus. believe him, and maybe he's uh, just lying. That, but he's he's one of those great like guys that I aspire to be someday if all my friends leave. Uh, that well, I will just be difficult and uh, quirky. And uh, d- make crazy demands. <laughs> it's just roaming a giant compound. Yeah, somewhere in Malibu. Yeah, the, 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 I was reading about the Doctor Moreau. Uh, oh yeah, craziness and what know. a guy. Yeah, what a life. Mm-hmm. Well, he came from a troubled. But that's I'm also fascinated because it's just here you go. He's from Omaha or something. Yeah, gets on a train, goes to New York. He's the American dream. He's the American dream. Well, you're also living a sort of charmed life aren't you brett with the special weekly how many people are working on this thing oh right now we've got maybe a crew of 30 to or let's let's say like 15 to 30 people depending on what kind of production we're putting on uh not including talent (laughs) right now you and you you appear as we said as various guises Mm -hmm. uh uh, and you engage each week it seems to me in some kind of existential comedy of the human experience, um, so you, you really say, put yeah. your characters through the ringer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the arc every time. Yes, is there? You think it's going to be one thing, but by the end, oh, oh no! That's the goal. Yeah, that's <laughs> sort of my comedic. Uh, 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 I don't know. Mo that if it's one, if you think it's going to be one thing, I like to kind of switch it out. Lizard person. 
lizard person. Yeah. <laughs> For instance, well, I haven't watched all of it, of course, uh, uh, but I plan to over the holiday break. But I did do a little binging this weekend and some of the highlights for me. I just wanted to, to so the audience has a sense of what I'm oh, talking sure. about. Yeah, they haven't yeah. seen it. You've got uh, one with a kind of senile Dracula. Senile Dracula, right, yeah. Right. Uh, there's a sad poet is making a suicide pact uh, with a uh, off woman. Yes. <laughs> Played by Cola Scola. Uh, yeah, who was in here just the other week, and uh, you sit across from him doing Joyce, and it is magic. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's all Cole. Uh, Cole is uh, a million times the performer I could ever wish to be. But Well, it's it's. did you write that for him? Uh, yeah, we kind of sat down one day, and we didn't know each other too well, but I think... I, I mean, I knew I'd... That probably benefited the uh, situation. Yeah, I, I was such a huge fan of his work and stuff, and I he he had done his Joyce Connor character, uh, who is, I, I, I saw as a kindred spirit to my John Gentle character. John Gentle <laughs> is a like lifelong bachelor, poet, uh, college professor. Sad sack. Sad sack, yep. yeah. Real morose guy, and it, that was the... Uh, that was the third appearance of him on the show um maybe fourth uh but every time we had just chopped him down further and further yeah it was the fourth appearance the first one he lost a, a potential partner uh due to gun violence which is the same person that gunned me down and the <laughs> yeah. second one he yes. uh, made, made a friend but then lost it uh and then the third one he finally found the one for him uh, and he proposed to her, and uh, she was just friends. <laughs> uh, and then this one, he immediately married uh, Cola Scola's character, who is, you know, this uh, mousy but very delusional and egotistical woman. And we spent just an hour, uh, my dinner with Andre style, with them and watching There's her. There's a real fringe uh, element to uh, yeah. Joyce. To her life <laughs> yes she writes greeting cards and like you know she's had many uh, she said one one child died and one is in prison and just ex tons of ex-husbands and stuff yeah the expanded universe of joyce is a yes sad sad place mm -hmm. um and you also hosted a telethon as for a dying girl yes uh, as kelsey Grammer, somebody you've returned to a couple of times yeah that's the only impression i think i do uh with any level of accuracy <laughs> but JoJo had been introduced in the second episode as uh, my pro wrestling character's biggest fan. And uh, we said she had eight months to live. So eight months later, we returned to her. Uh, she's <laughs> much sicker. And, and Kelsey Grimmer put on this whole telethon with Mike Love and uh, a few other celebrities. And it was not about her. It was about raising money for the Trump campaign. <laughs> Well, Kelsey Grammer, as you portray him, uh, is a great choice, I think, for the aloof, kind of self-centered, uh, as you said, prick yeah. uh, character. And He's got way more hubris. Yeah. 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 And uh, were you a fan of his portrayal of the Beast in the X-Men franchise? Uh, I, you know, I'm not a, the biggest X-Men fan, uh, but there is a deleted scene that we did verbatim in the show, maybe twice, um, <laughs> where... Uh, in X Men, they're off to fight Magneto, presumably, yeah. and uh, always he uh, just quotes uh, Shakespeare. This like long monologue: "The we fuel, we happy fuel, we band of brothers." <laughs> uh, and then we did a 
right after the telethon episode, we returned and they were all stuck in the uh, TV studio. Uh, and it was a Twilight Zone homage. Uh, six characters in search of an exit. And uh, they were stuck and he finally had to give his stirring speech. And it was just that. <laughs> and it's just so out of place both in both scenarios and just you know he was like you know i i think i know a shakespeare passage that would fit <laughs> in this moment if if we could just do a take of that <laughs> well i think we uh we can agree that fraser is really the central uh villain uh during his run on cheers yes and uh well maybe not always Later seasons, he was... I think if you look back at it, it's the same kind of thing. If you look back at, and see that Jar Jar was really evil this whole time, oh, it okay. changes your perspective of it. But there is a certain level of villainy to your characters, too, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. An attraction to Most that? of them are villains. Uh, <laughs> Most of them. And there's a little bit of the arrogance of maybe a Charles Grodin. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard that comparison, but... I, think, yeah. think about it. The way when he would appear on the talk shows and things like that. I I love Charles Grodin. He's a hero. Yeah. Well, so uh, and the Beethoven movies are what wonderful. Exactly. Um, it's what made me want to perform. The, likewise. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was, was it the dog or Grodin? It's the magical chemistry that only exists when they're brought together. I see. Of course. Yeah. Well, how do you choose who you're going to work with? Who else you rope into this? Because JoJo with Joe Firestone yes. and uh, Joyce Escola, and you got so many other great people that, that just by necessity, mm-hmm. it's a big cast. Yes. And, uh, I mean, that's that's the, the real surprise joy that came out of it. Like, having, you know, at the first 10 weeks, we're like, okay, well, I've been doing live shows weekly for, you know, a while, like a year, two years. Uh and you know, years before that, I've had these stock characters, um, but then you know, you start to run out of ideas that you could stretch <laughs> into an hour. Um, so you know, it's it's a kind of a blessing to be like, okay, well, I know it's not all on me to do this. No one is like checking to make sure all every idea is like mine. Right. So, you know, I'll sit down with like a Julio Torres or Joe Firestone who are like they're brilliant people. Brilliant. Yeah. And uh you know, I I've got my ideas and I I shape their ideas into a show uh that fits this format that we have and it's it's great. Like they'll always have better things to come out of their mouths than my than like my words. When as you said you're drawn to people that kind of do that blend of performance art comedy yeah. and certainly the people you mentioned uh, do that and mm-hmm. uh, do it brilliantly and so it, it must be terrific to have them involved and they'll maybe come back oh yeah i mean they always uh joe's played a number of characters she's not only the dying child but she's also <laughs> john Gentle's uh uh most promising love interest and <laughs> we've had like anna fabrega on who's like a genius and she's can play any character and just it, it, she turns it on like a faucet and then it just spills out and my partner Darren maybe is just like not a comedian like he lives he still lives in New Jersey and it like goes to school and uh, does his own thing but is also the most versatile actor I, I think I know because <laughs> you know I, I just say hey do you want to play a hacker this week and he's like okay and then he will take that one thing and then come back with a fully formed idea of wh- who this guy is and what makes him tick. 
And you direct the whole thing. Uh, I, I don't, well, uh, it's hard to say what that role is on this show. We've got our technical director, uh, Edmund Hawkins, who works on SNL, and he, you know, sort of oversees the production aspect. And Frank Flaherty is like our showrunner. And we've got like people like Kate Sweeney, who's a producer. And they're all like as big of a part of, you know, the idea once it's off and running as I am. So, uh, I don't know. I've just got a lot of very talented people around me. That's key. And, you know, one of the other things that I picked up on just watching it is that there are some really horrendous song choices that oh, yeah. you incorporate into the into the shows. Mm-hmm. I think Joyce does a Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Yes. Which is terrifying. One of the most chilling moments of the show. <laughs> it's terrifying. And on the telethon, you got the, the Beach Boy fella yes. uh, singing Kokomo. Yes, which came back in the Twilight Zone ep- episode uh, that... Uh, there was a uh, ventriloquist dummy that was torturing them in their own personal hells. And, yeah, kind uh, of purgatory or something that exactly, they were kept yeah. in. Yeah. And Mike Love's purgatory was hearing the uh, sax solo and Kokomo uh, <laughs> on repeat. See, for me, it would have been the steel drums. I, I mean, I love steel drums. I, I love Kokomo. That's the really? thing. It's that's it. that's the one thing that my uh, co-writers didn't realize is that I love that song, <laughs> and I was so happy to hear it so many so times. You're one of the people that finds steel drum relaxing. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. My what brother, is it about that? I don't know. My they brother had a wedding on the beach, and he had a steel drum band. Yeah. And, uh, I even said steel drum band like Mike Love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just they play it at the airport when you get out of Bermuda or something. Yeah, I've never been, but. They also play it at the Broadway Lafayette stop. Yes, I've I've seen those guys, uh, uh, and that would always brighten my day. Uh, it creates a lot of anxiety for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know; it's the plinking or something. Yes, but is this Kokomo is one of the songs you were flipping through and you found and said this is the one for me? Well, I, That's what I'm you just mean about defending your song choices. Uh, well, <laughs> me and me and Darren, we love the Beach Boys. And we hate Mike Love. He's just like another Kelsey Grammer type. That's yeah, like exactly. even worse than Kelsey. Like just the he he like he's anti art. He's like you know takes what everything that's great about the Beach Boys and just like well you know I wrote Surfing USA. It's true. And just talking about like transcendental med- meditation and his like nineteen year old wife and stuff. Just Ugh. such a creep surfing usa just just those words isn't it i uh, pretty much yeah everybody's gone so i mean right. all those surf songs those are mike love <laughs> yeah. uh, originals just repeat the word surf yeah. as many times as possible we could be like the chubby checker of the beach <laughs> what happened these people they just come up through portals uh, from uh, some kind of demonic underworld oh yeah he crawled yeah. out of somewhere you know. That's what's that's what's happening. You know who'd love steel drums though? Mm-hmm. Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, yeah. And you recently won the Andy Kaufman Award. Yes. Which uh, uh, that must have been tremendously exciting. What was the what was the experience like to do yeah. that? I mean, if if there's any award that I would ever care to win, it was that one. Uh, it's put on by his brother Michael Kaufman, who's a really sweet guy, um, and he just kind of wanted to keep the Andy spirit alive and. Uh, they've had some great people in the past win it and like some, you know, other people that it's like, it, it's not an arbiter of like, you know, who's going to be the next big thing. It's just like, who's a peculiar performer in this moment. Well, and the people that are just participating in it are fantastic. Yeah. I mean, this year it couldn't have been a better lineup. It was like a lot of funny people that 
you know, I like, but then also like three of my best friends and Joe Firestone, Julio Torres and Anna Fabrega. Right. So though it was sort of like, okay, we're ascending to this like place altogether. And that's a nice feeling. Yeah. That's great. We had a pact that I would buy them all dinner uh, (laughs) if I won or they would buy me dinner or et cetera. Where'd you go? Uh, we haven't gone yet. Oh, Julio's been in LA. So, oh, okay, you got to get him back. Yeah, and he's out there uh, farming for crystals or something. Yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I like that guy. But now, what was the what was the process? Did you apply to that? Yeah, um, I applied the year before, and I didn't get in. But uh, Chris Gethard had been putting together sort of pre-show that was almost like uh, just a tribute to Andy Kaufman with some performers like Joe Para and uh, people. And I, I did that show. Um, and then I guess I was on the radar a little more and mm-hmm. I submitted again this year and I got in somehow and even wor- worse <laughs> one, cause I, I really <laughs> did something that was on the more antagonistic side of uh, Andy Kaufman's yeah. output. Well, and as, as, that's another, another person that, I mean, had, not just Tony Clifton, but his, performances could have that edge to them yeah that little uh, villainous streak that kind of uh, priggish persona uh yeah. did you watch his talk show special with the high desk oh yeah i mean uh isn't that something that uh, elaine boozler was the host and she was the guest exactly. in that segment and uh, i was uh starstruck to talk to her <laughs> um, what was that on pbs or something uh i think that that might have been I I don't remember if that was the HBO one or the ABC one. Okay, but he did two long specials. It's because it's a standard talk show format, but his desk is twenty feet high or something yeah. like that, <laughs> lording above the uh, the peop- the guests who are sitting in a normal sized chair. One of my goals is if I've established a nice enough relationship with Elaine Boozler that night uh, to have her on, but then uh, sit her in a giant chair, <laughs> <laughs> way above whatever else is going on. She a nice lady, super nice. Yeah, yeah. Seems like she would be. Yeah, loves animals. That's that's great. That's, that's a terrific. T- fun tidbit. <laughs> Bernadette Peters also loves animals. Mm-hmm. I well, don't know her. No, <laughs> no. You got to ask Cole. Yeah, Cole's a chum. Oh yes, that's right. And the the sketch that you did for that mm-hmm. is the Inquisitor. Yeah, sketch. did that already exist on your program, or did you do that? Yeah, a- that after that was something I had worked out. Uh, it was my only play, I guess, if you want to call it a play. I did it for a couple of weeks at the Annoyance Theater um, in Brooklyn, which has a lot of really great people coming out of it, too. Yeah. And uh, then when we started doing the show, which was like right after that, we had sort of adopted that into the narrative of the show, that there's this demonic uh, sex cult. Led like by an this, eyes wide shut kind of a thing, yeah. but with more blood or something. Yeah, I, it's the he's sort of the uh, the Grand Inquisitor is the leader of this group, and he's sort of the eyes wide shut. And then we've got the people that are these sort of demon like henchmen and henchwomen that uh, do his dirty work and almost have an ISIS e feel to them. So it's a weird uh, mix. And then immediately we... the audience is put at ease. Yes. So I, I'm coming out and I'm doing a, uh, a se- sort of a sex, uh, satanic sex ritual where I'm speaking in Latin and uh, torturing poor Darren, who's uh, pretty much naked and making him eat meat and grapes. And then my minions are uh, assaulting the audience uh, and 
it's all a fun it's a fun <laughs> immersive uh it's like cats <laughs> Yeah. And he just keeps getting distracted. That's well, the, yeah, he's also part of it. going he's, through a breakup. Yeah. So he's uh, thinking about his lost love in addition to the meat and the grapes mm-hmm. and all that. And uh, so everybody was there backstage. Yeah. Um, you got your big, he's, he's nice. Uh, where's the theater that they do that Andy Kaufman thing? Uh, that was at UCB East. Okay. So right. I've got... Uh, this guy Colin Burgess who's super funny and this girl Lorelai Ramirez who's super funny and like this guy Alec Lambert who's, who's kind of funny but more of just a menace uh, <laughs> and I just and I had Joe put on a gimp mask and and was Andy there? Uh, Andy was there yeah. yeah he gave me a big high five after the show which I didn't see coming obviously yeah, but, no, yeah. that's great mm-hmm. that's, and uh, anything come out of that? Uh yeah we're we're working on a pilot right now uh it's uh, sort with, of a true with the te- same character uh yeah me <laughs> yeah I'm I'm pitching a thing it's gonna be me and Andy Kaufman on True TV sort of like a hidden camera prank show <laughs> oh fun yeah just going to different orgies uh, distracting no them. no um it's more just like going to like uh local businesses and sort of oh. like a Nathan for you kind of thing <laughs> I like it uh you know uh, and but you're gonna keep going with the public access yeah. Until you know it makes, until it doesn't make sense, uh, I will start to. It, I, I just woke up. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, until I will go past the point of where it makes sense for me to do it, and then I will stop. Yeah, yeah. You think the ghost of Brett Davis will come back? Uh, I don't know. That's that's the it's big open. question. Yeah. And I know some of these uh, characters that you have that you they have been in the works for a while. You have Twitter accounts that you're managing for some of them, right? Yeah. Uh the a lot of them kind of existed before the show and uh sort of had a life of their own. And now I've just got so many that it's hard to manage them right. all, but uh you know, like Bobby Blaze uh is my pro wrestling character and <laughs> I would go to wrestling conventions and just set up a table without like paying for it or anything just <laughs> put my eight by tens there and like meet my fans alongside like diamond dallas page and people uh and yeah it's i like <laughs> well, when what's it seems... the interaction though where people know who you are uh no no they don't no. but you, uh, you know lie. my table's empty and they're they don't they see i've got these eight by tens so they're curious and you sign a lot of them uh i signed a couple yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, didn't want to make too much of a scene. Right. I was getting the stink eye from uh, Diesel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How's Diesel doing? Diesel's good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Rising through or on top? Uh, he's on top. He's in uh, Magic Mike, the Magic Mike series. Oh, well, yeah. great. That's yeah. great. So he's branching out a little bit. A little bit, yeah. That's good. Putting that physique to good use. As long as he doesn't get a podcast, it's fine. I think he might have all those wrestlers of podcasts now. Wrestling, see, what am I doing? How yeah. can I compete with all this kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, just yeah, get, get some it. soy powder. I got to take some of that wheat stuff. Hey, these are all the old, these are the old timers that are getting the podcasts. It's <laughs> it's an even playing field uh, in that regard. My favorite public access show, in addition to yours, mm-hmm. is uh, City Drive Live. Okay, and that's where I want to stage my uh, show, at least yeah. a part of a show. Yeah. Just a little drama that takes place on those traffic cameras. You just got to time it right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, that that could be a beautiful piece of performance just art. a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. I'm, maybe Saturday I'll set up there. Uh, and so you're full steam ahead. You're still doing the live uh, events, the monthly mm-hmm. events, and you just did some touring. Yeah. Decent? 
Uh, yeah, it was the first time I've really kind of taken stuff on the road for any extended period of time. And would uh, that was as characters or as you? Yeah, all characters. Um, we did shows with Joe and this guy, Micah Brucey, and John Reynolds and Chris Gethard. And it was all like just a fun road trip mixed with like really nice audiences. And some pretty decent hotels? Uh, one hotel, because John Reynolds is a rising star, and Netflix pays for his hotels, and he <laughs> lets us stay in them. And you would, you would do characters? Were the only one doing characters? Uh, yeah. So it would be a typical stand-up night, some club somewhere, mm-hmm. and you come out as a character? Uh, kind of. I mean, they, all the shows were different. One was uh, at a music festival, and one was in like the basement of a house, and one was at an improv theater, and one was like with these guys, Wham City Comedy, and like... So, I I, ne- I it was never the typical experience, but typically I am just on a stand-up show, uh, as the dumb idiot with like a bag of wigs waiting to go on. <laughs> We've all been that dumb idiot with a yeah. bag of wigs. I get it. And your family okay with what you're doing? Yeah, pretty yeah. supportive. Yeah, you have a nice Thanksgiving planned with them? Um, uh, probably. I don't know. <laughs> See yeah. how it goes. Um, you responsible but... for a dish? No. Bring no. your famous pizza? I, I I would love to bring pizza. <laughs> um, I'm a bit of a picky eater, but uh, I think that would be frowned upon. You don't like things touching, or you only like specific foods? I, I just like specific foods. And of the Thanksgiving uh, platter, what would you not be into? Um, a lot of it. Yams. Uh, no yams for you. Uh, mashed potatoes. I'm very, very uh, particular about food textures. Food textures? Yes. I have a cousin that only eats... And if you're listening, I'm going to out you. But uh, only eats uh, rolls and peanut butter. Mm-hmm. His whole life, he had a brief stint there eating cereal. Those now were... he's back to eating the rolls and the peanut butter. Those are all things I love. You like those things, yeah? Those are decent textures. Those are great textures. How much different is a roll and peanut butter though from mashed potatoes? Uh, well, you tell me. It's very soft mashed potatoes. I don't know. I like I like a good baked potato every once in a while. Interesting. I like French fries. <laughs> I like uh, sort of roasted potatoes, but mashed potatoes. Something about it, it's just. I want to see out. a cooking segment on the show. Uh, well, we have don't. We're that? not allowed to have food in the studio, although we've broken that rule. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we just haven't. Tr- we tried to not make a mess. Uh, but we, yeah, I don't think we've done a cooking show yet. Yeah. Just because. Well, a cooking show without food could be interesting. Yeah. Just put it. You don't need any more ideas from me. I We're know. not allowed to have fire in the studio, which is another rule that we've broke, yeah. broken once. Well, maybe we do a little off-site video. Maybe, yeah. City Drive Live Cooking. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, I'll, I'll use that idea if you're not. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Now, you've written a lot of uh, OK Cupid profiles, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was my uh, uh, sort of writing process. That's how John Jennell came to be. Um, it's, I, for a while I was like into okay Cupid, but not really into dating. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the, the experience, of yeah, it. experience of it. So I would just make these profiles and then just put them out into the ether and, uh, not really, I wouldn't mess with people. Um, yeah. I did, I did for one, I did a, uh, a, an okay Cupid made up completely of my, my Angelou quotes <laughs> and then. Uh, I put like a really hot like EDM girl with like uh, dead mouse pasties on, uh, and electronic dance music. Yes, yeah. and uh, people were messaging her like with 
the like <laughs> it was like a race and uh, i would only reply i had a giant list of maya angelou quotes and i would only reply in those and uh i got a lot of great responses from yeah. it <laughs> i bet well that's a great way to generate characters as you said yeah. do, you, do you find it that's most often how you do it you through the writing um it's it's all it all depends you uh, see somebody on the train i i mean i i had a, a weekend in pennsylvania uh where me and my brother went to go adopt a dog, yeah. and I, I met this uh, Amish man that ran like a sort of a, a doggery or whatever you call it. That's right. Uh, and um, I, he he became the fodder for that week's episode of the show. <laughs> this is Elmo. Uh, El- Elmo uh, is the. Uh, God, this is such a complicated universe, but Elmo is the uh, cousin. Of the deceased Willem Miller, who uh, got got to achieve his dream of doing stand-up comedy uh, outside of the Amish community, alongside Gilbert Gottfried on uh, one episode. Oh, I see. Yeah, the actual Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> right, he was on one of the shows. Yeah. Well, it's terrific how you brought all those worlds together, and you've and you continue to define a world mm-hmm. uh, yourself and and your talented collaborators. Yes, um, the show uh, is every week on MNN. Mm-hmm. Do, how do you find that station? Uh, don't just don't bother. Watch it on YouTube. <laughs> find it on YouTube. Yeah, you then I get the the video views. I I don't know a single person that actually watches on. Uh, television. I tried to do it with Gether. I could never find it. Yeah, it's it's MNN one. If you if you if you're inclined and you live in the boundaries of Manhattan, but otherwise it's all on YouTube. And is it like the Gethard show where you can go and uh, hang out, just go to an, a taping too? Yep, uh, we love to have big audiences there because I think it makes the show better because we're all like you know still live performers uh, performing in front of an audience. Uh, and it's scripted. It, it's script scripted largely. Um, there, there's definitely beats, uh, that we all hit, um, depending on who's on, you know, sometimes it's like if we have John Reynolds on, I have the John Reynolds rule where he could say anything at any time. (laughs) Connor O'Malley has a rule that he could just come on the show whenever. And he hasn't taken me up on it, uh, just yet, but someday he will and I don't know, that'll be fun. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So people can go on through your website. Mm-hmm. Or through the side of the show, yeah, it, yeah. Um, but yeah, YouTube or brettdavis.tumblr.com. dot com. That's excellent. Well, Brett, thank you so much for being here. Thank I've you for having talking me. to you. Yeah. Okay. Have a nice uh, holiday. Oh, you too. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Well, there you go. That's all the time that we have. Uh, uh, thank you. I'm encouraged by this work. I, I just am, am very intrigued and encouraged that this kind of work is happening and there's a, an audience for it and people are passionate about it. And uh, so much that's happening out there right now uh, is weird, it's different, it's experimental, and it's risky. And I applaud their efforts and I thank uh, Brett for being with us and thank you uh, for tuning in. Till next time, I'll be putting a wig on my empty whiskey bottle and referring to her as Donna for the rest of the week. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is written and performed by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season theme composed and performed by Shockwave. Podcast icon for season eight designed by Jenny Fine. Listen to Dale on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. And follow the program on Twitter at Dale Radio or on Instagram at Dale Seaver. If you'd like Dale to come to your local VFW or Elks Lodge, simply drop us a line at Dale Radio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You're the best.